You're locked into the Despirito Team Real Estate Show with host and top realtor Emilio Despirito on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. We're talking with industry leaders about real estate trends, money making tips, and advice on buying and selling the American dream. Now, here's Emilio Despirito. All right, thanks for joining us today. I'm Emilio Despirito, and this, of course, is the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. We're glad to have you here with us. We're talking business, real estate, we're talking law, we're talking pretty much everything that goes on behind the scenes of a real estate deal, and it's a lot. There is a lot. So we've got on some awesome guests today. I'm super excited to have Melissa Delano with Delano Law here with us. Thank you for, uh, for joining the show again, Melissa. Good morning, Emilio. Thanks for having me. I was um, just thinking, God... I remember our first Zoom interview like this and it felt awkward. Now it's just commonplace. It's, yeah, it's normal. It's really normal. By the way, for our radio show listeners, if you want to check out, if you want to see Melissa's beautiful face, you can on uh, facebook.com backslash Despirito team. And you can go ahead and like our page, like our video, see all this great content and uh, can put faces to uh, the voices and the names. It's really cool. Uh, so Melissa, I know one of the subjects that, you know, pops up often, people get to the closing table and they're surprised at either how much they get or how much they don't get. Um, mm -hmm. The seller net is, is something that's super important. And when you're looking at the net, you're looking at the bottom line. So I know you wanted to jump in on this topic today. Curious to hear what you wanted to say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's all about the bottom line, right? I mean, this is what we see in life and certainly what we see in real estate transactions. As a seller, you really should have a strong command and understanding of what you're going to walk away from your transaction with. And Emilio, I think we were talking offline, we're already starting to see a shifting market. Yeah. And it's even more important in the shifting market that sellers have an absolute command of what they're going to walk away with so that they're not disappointed. Understand at the end of the day, a sales agreement is a legal contract. So if a seller thinks that they're going to walk away with $100,000 and then when the dust hits the, you know, settles, they see, oh, well, I'm only going to walk away with $70,000. That's a very big swing. Oh, and yeah. it's one that sellers will not take kindly to. And I've had sellers threaten, well, then I'm not going to close. But that's not that easy, right? You can't just say, I'm not going to close. You're under a legal obligation to sell this property. And we are seeing with increased regularities, buyers imposing their right to equitable remedies, which is known as specific performance. What that means is they can basically get the courts to force the seller to sell the house to them pursuant to the sales agreement. And I think the reason we're seeing that is because of the limited inventory we've been experiencing. Yeah. So buyers are not satisfied with just getting their deposit back or maybe even getting some damages. Buyers are saying, no, no, I'm homeless in a month. I need this house. I'm going to ask the court to enforce this agreement. And that's something that we're seeing more of, which is why, you know, again, the sellers really need to understand what is their bottom line going to be. Well, so I'd like to on. talk more about how we get there. Yeah, but I got a I got a legal question for you. So let's say a buyer decides, hey, I want to pull out of this agreement. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I want to stick with this agreement. Seller wants to pull out of the agreement. We're going to sue for non-performance. We're going to be homeless in a month. How long does that actually take though? Yeah, I mean, there are some pragmatism arguments here that sometimes getting financial damages would be more advantageous for a buyer because the legal process is slow and especially complicated by the COVID factor. It's that much slower. Yeah. Um, I had a litigator recently tell me it's moving at kind of a stone age pace, but it's not to say the threat of legal 
um, action isn't going to work. I will give you an example, real life case where the seller wanted to back out. She actually lost her job due to COVID and just was not in a place where she felt as though she could sell. The buyer didn't take no for an answer, hired a litigator, paid about $5,000 in expenses and was about to, you know, they had already filed suit with the courts and the seller said, okay, forget it. I don't want to go to, to, you know, the legal field and the battle. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and move forward with a settlement. So not only did the seller have to close and sell the house at the price that was agreed upon, but the seller ended up having to pay $5,000 in the buyer's legal fees to get to that place where two months previously, I had been attempting to negotiate with the seller's attorney and we just didn't get anywhere. Wow. So it ended up costing the seller $5,000 and probably a lot of ag aggravation and heartache. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's but the process is slow. I mean, we're talking months. Well, one other thing too I want to talk about is that you said that the market is changing. I agree. I, I'm noticing the market, like you said, softening up, um, but I want to talk about what exactly that means. So seasonally here in New England and Rhode Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts, these, especially these areas and, and well, all of New England, um, the, the weather and you know the holidays and everything else really just kind of slow traffic down. Now, as far as sellers kind of on the fence about going on, if you don't price your home to market value, if you pad it a little bit like you can in the springtime, you're not going to gain the momentum that you would gain um, at that time. Instead, what you're going to do is you're probably going to have to drop your price, drop your price, drop your price, because while there's still an abundant amount of buyers and not enough homes on the market, there's still fewer buyers. So you're not having that much traffic roll in as we had a month or two ago. So you, ne you need to make sure that you are prepared for sale. Your home is staged, it's clean, and that it is um, you know, priced properly and marketed properly to bring in the right buyers, okay? People aren't gonna be fighting over real estate so much unless if you're between two and 300,000 or two and 350 right now, they're fighting over that price range. But again, you're much better off pricing it to fair market value and having 10, 20 people come in the house versus three or five people come in the house. And a lot of times you end up in a bidding war if you price it perfect you because you do have so many people that are interested that are going to be making an offer opposed to someone that is going to have it overpriced because now you know people aren't as interested in looking at overpriced properties, especially when we've been on an uptick for a while. Yeah. And you know, Melissa, I, I tell my clients, I don't I don't take I don't tell them advice that I don't take myself, right? So like when I went to go sell my first home, it was an owner Ock home. I lived there, um, you know, for a couple of years. I went and I sold it. When I did that, I I uh, I took the same advice that I give my clients. Okay, so I I literally staged the property, but I had a professional stager come in, had the property cleaned, and I priced it under what I wanted to get for the home, and I got more than I wanted to get by doing that. And that's a really great strategy to implement, and one that I think you know clients who want to overprice it because they're looking to increase their bottom line actually inhibit, right? And that kind of brings us right back to, it's all about the bottom line. Yeah. You sell it for more, you make more, but listing it for more doesn't mean you're necessarily going to sell it for more. And that's really the, the qualifying distinction that I think our clients need to understand is that there are expenses that are associated with selling. And if they don't understand those expenses compared to what they're likely going to sell it for, not even what they've listed it for, right? Because 
we all know we have clients who make the arguments, well, I really want to list it for more, even though it's more than what you recommend as a realtor. Yeah. Clients and agents, I think, need to be having the hard dialogue of, well, most likely you're going to actually sell it for X. So let's use that in determining what your bottom line is going to be and make sure you're comfortable with this so that when you start getting offers in that price point, we are actually ready to proceed and not going to be putting ourselves in the crosshairs of a legal battle later. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much that goes into it. And again, the bottom line is so important. You know, one other thing I want to add to that, Melissa, is there, there's a couple of real estate companies. They're like discount brokerages, right? Discount, right? So they're going around and offering, you know, almost half, if not half of what other agents are offering. Um, one of my friends was laughing because he scooped up a property from one of these agents at a hundred thousand under market value, hundred grand, right? So while they saved one or two or three percent on commission, they've just lost, you know, a thousand percent or whatever. It is. You know, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Well, and commission certainly is the biggest piece of the financial puzzle as far as trying to figure out what the bottom line is, Emilio. But even bigger than that is understanding your mortgage payoff. Looking at your mortgage statement is not a sufficient way to understand what your balance is, hmm. especially if we have any clients who have faced any kind of forbearance or have not been making mortgage payments as a result of the COVID complication. It's really important as a seller that you get on the phone or go on your portal online and order a payoff from your mortgage company and present that to your realtor so that your realtor knows, okay, this is the number that has to be paid right off the top. I mean, yeah. forget commissions for a second. If you're selling your house for 300000 and you owe $300,000 on your mortgage, you don't have enough money no. to pay commissions, let alone the attorney's fees and reconciling the real estate taxes and the tax stamps that are due to the state. I mean, these are all additional charges, but you have to understand that mortgage payoff balance number first and foremost most. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things I always ask my clients when I when I get to the meeting, how much do you owe on your mortgage? But that would be a fantastic. I'm actually going to take this video and share this with clients before I even meet with them because you're right, the forbearance and everything else does come into play and you know, millions of Americans have have leveraged that and used it. And I'm glad Which is a good benefit that they had, please. but it does it doesn't mean that the bottom line is going to be the same bottom line it would have been a year ago if you sold no. your house. You know, that's where you have to make sure that you're contemplating all of that. Um, Rhode Island Housing has some great loan programs, but uh, some of them are called silent seconds. I've seen those kind of bite people in the back, oh, you yeah. know, where they forgot about those. Um, if they have any liens or grant programs that they've borrowed over the years that now need to be paid back at the time of closing. So these are all conversations that, you know, we need to be having as real estate professionals with clients when they're preparing to list their house, because it's all about that bottom line at the end. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And, you know, I, I one of the things that I always go over with my clients is I say, look, here's your best case scenario. Here's your worst case scenario. And then we itemize all the expenses with both. And then Legit, the conversation is this, is like, you're not, you're not, I'm not here to talk you into selling your home. It either right. makes sense for you or it doesn't make sense for you. And Melissa, right. I, can't, I can't tell you, I'd say probably about five, 10% of the time I, I walk out and they don't sell their home. They wait and we track the market for them to when they can hit their number. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for any listeners out there, if you need any type of advice, real estate or legal, you can contact us. We're here to help you out. Melissa Delena with Delena Law is, has been in the business for well over a decade. Her family, 
has run this business for four plus decades. Mm -hmm. They know their stuff. They, they understand the ins and outs of law, of, of real estate law and, and, and seller net. You can ask them any questions at all. You can Google them, Delana Law, or you can call them at 401-885-3800. 401-885-3800. You can let them know you heard them on the real estate radio show. And uh, Melissa, thanks for being here with us. Appreciate you. Thanks very much. for having me. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Have a great rest of your weekend. Stay safe. You too. All right. Great. Awesome show. Up next, we've got John LaPointe with LaPointe Insurance. We're going to be talking about flood insurance and um, some things you need to know about that. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back here on the Despirito Team Real Estate Show, News Radio 920, 104.7 FM and streaming on iHeartRadio, WHJJ. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 104.7 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Emilio Despirito. This is the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. Appreciate having you here. We've got some great guests today. On the line with us, we've got John LaPointe with LaPointe Insurance. And by the way, you can check out videos and see faces to these voices and names at uh, facebook.com backslash Despirito team. Give it a like, make sure to uh, share our content with any friends that this may help. And um, thanks again for, uh, for John for coming on to the show today. Great topic. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me as always, Emilio. Um, always great to be here and um, share some advice and you know, knowledge for the folks out there who are paying attention because um, at the end of the day, that's what we like to do. We try and add value for anybody out there who's in the real estate industry and has insurance questions. So that's what we're here for. Definitely. John, so five mistakes to avoid when shopping for homes in a flood zone. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this list is not uh, fully comprehensive of everything, but these are really five super important things that uh, I think anybody that's looking to buy a home should be considering. And uh, number one, and it seems like it should be common knowledge, but when you're shopping for homes in a flood zone, well, how about one of the mistakes to avoid is not checking if the home is in a flood zone to begin with. And we talk about this all the time because yes, Rhode Island is a coastal state. We've got miles and miles of coastline, more than probably any state of a similar size to us, but you don't have to be near the coast to be in a flood zone. Um, I live in North Smithfield and there are flood zones probably within walking distance to my home uh, because there's a big pond, you know, and uh, flood zones are everywhere. It doesn't have to be the ocean, doesn't have to be exactly what you might think of as a flood zone. You could just be in a low lying area near a brook or a stream or something. And you are in a, a high risk flood zone and your mortgage lender is going to require that you purchase flood insurance. So always, 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 if you even think that there might be a chance that your home is going to be in a flood zone, ask your realtor. They will have uh, insurance agent resources. Ask your mortgage lender or ask an insurance agent that you know to check if that property is in a flood zone because um, before you go ahead and make an offer on that property, you're going to want to know. That's an added expense. And I know that's something that you do, Emilio, and uh, it's a best practice for realtors that if the home's going to require flood insurance, you're going to build that into your offer in some way, right? Yeah, we do. And one of the things, and you're dead, you're dead right, John. You get calls from my team and I almost weekly, like, hey, how's this address? How's this address? Because we know 
you know, that could, that could change their monthly mortgage payment huge in a way where they can't afford the house. Yeah. Or just, you know, to the point where if they were looking at spending X, Y, Z on this property, um, Hey, why don't you look for a property that actually is maybe a little bit more expensive, but you don't have to pay that flood insurance. You're going to get more home for your dollar without having to throw it away on flood insurance. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about that guidance. And there's one other thing too, John, is I also call you guys when I'm about to list properties and, you know, and we can look at flood maps and whatnot, but we don't have the extensive knowledge as, as you do. And they're somewhat kind of tough to decipher sometimes. So we, we leave that to the professionals that do it every single day. And if my client's home is in a flood insurance plane, depending on which types of buyers, if it's a luxury home, it won't affect it so much. But if it's a home, you know, under, I would say under a million, maybe under 700,000, which, you know, is borderline luxury, of course, under that and your everyday type of homes, 253, 400, John, it could literally throw uh, you know, the buyers in that pool from being able to purchase it. So they need to price yeah. their homes accordingly for that as well. It's, it's going, it's definitely going to, especially like in those price range that you talked about, it, it's going to immediately shrink that buyer pool down a good yeah. bit, you know? Um, and so you, you're absolutely right. So anybody who's in the real estate industry or um, in the market to buy or sell their home, definitely lean on us as a resource. We can definitely help you out, let you know if that home's in a flood zone or how that might impact you in terms of that real estate transaction, for sure. Um, number two mistake, if you're uh, going into a home and make, now you know that it isn't a flood zone, a big mistake that I see a lot of people making is that they don't ask the seller or the seller's agent if the current owners of the property have a flood insurance policy in place um, or if they have an elevation certificate on the home that has been performed. So kind of a two-part thing here, but one, uh, ask about that current policy that's on the flood insurance for the home now. Why? Because some policies for flood insurance can be transferred. You can transfer the flood insurance from the current owner of the property to the person who is purchasing it. And I just went through this experience myself, uh, clients buying a home in Tiverton, really nice property, <clears throat> uh, requires flood insurance. I was going to pull new flood insurance quotes. Um, and because of the way the flood map changed in the years since the current owners bought the property, flood insurance quotes today were coming out at like $10,000 a year for the insurance. The current owners have a flood insurance policy in place that's like $3,000 and had been grandfathered in from when the flood maps were still at a lower risk uh, zone. And so they kept that policy for many years and are able to now transfer that policy to the buyers, saving them $7,000 a year in flood wow. insurance, which is uh, an amazingly uh, uh, you know, good savings for them. And, and kudos to the people who um, had the flood insurance on that property you know, as well for keeping that policy in force all of those years, because yeah. that did help them with selling the property. Because uh, if they had not kept that policy and, and weren't able to transfer it, again, going to shrink that pool of buyers down greatly. Um, so, so definitely, definitely check to see if the seller has a policy in place, because that might be your best bet and best savings in terms of flood insurance. Um, the other thing is with regards to an elevation certificate. So, We've done videos on elevation certificates before. You can call me and learn a lot more about an elevation certificate. In short form, elevation certificate 
basically shows the elevation of the property and it's done by a licensed surveyor. Flood insurance companies accept this as a form of uh, basically saying that the home is, is elevated higher than the flood plain. And because of that, it's going to make the, the uh, flood insurance a little bit cheaper in most cases. So uh, if you've got a prior policy in place or an elevation certificate, inquire about that because it could offer you some savings on flood insurance. And it gets, it, it, and, and John, that's a fantastic point. One other point as a real estate agent I want to throw in there is that if the seller owns the house outright and there's no mortgage on it with a federally chartered bank, then what happens is, um, they don't, they don't have to pay flood insurance, okay? So if they have a private mortgage on it or if they have no mortgage on it, they don't have to pay a flood insurance. So they may not even know, they may not even be aware it's in a flood zone. This is when your realtor needs to do their due diligence, you know, either before you place the offer or during your inspection time. We do it before our clients place the offer because we don't want them spending significant dollars on inspections. Yeah, it takes one minute for a realtor to go on to the FEMA website and plug in an address. And uh, to your point, you'll be able to see that flood map and you look at it and say, geez, you know, looks like it's in a flood zone. Maybe not sure. That's when they end up calling us. And I know that your team does that really well, Emilio. You know, they, they look at the flood maps, they check it out and say, I'm not 100% sure we're going to call John. So um, that's, you know, a, a great point. Um, moving on to number three. So a big mistake that I see a lot of folks making is, is um, not knowing what loan program that they're pre-qualified with or pre-approved with and the guidelines that that loan program has with regards to flood insurance. So the biggest mistake I see a lot of folks making is they are uh, going in to make an offer on a property. Their realtor refers them to us and says, hey, before I make an offer, I want to know what the flood insurance is about. Yeah. And we get them a quote for flood insurance. But this flood insurance quote is really great, and it's with a private flood insurance company. Lo and behold, they are pre-approved with an FHA or VA or other federally backed mortgage loan program. These federally backed mortgage loan programs will require that if you need flood insurance, it be purchased through government flood insurance program, which is the FEMA flood or national flood program. And those premiums tend to be higher than private flood insurance. So definitely have an idea of what you're pre-approved with before and the guidelines around flood. If you don't know, ask us, ask your lender, we'll work together with them. But I, I hate, hate, hate when that happens, when we get them a quote, they're like, oh, this is great. We can qualify. This is, this is all going to work out. And then get up to the closing line and all of a sudden, oh, you need FEMA flood insurance. You can't accept private flood insurance because of your loan guidelines. So it can throw a wrench into things at the last minute. It's uh, something that we try and avoid all the time. So know what you're pre-qualified for, know your loan program and know what the flood insurance regulations are around it. Um, I know we're probably getting close to running out of time here, but the other two right. mistakes here um, that I see being made is A, not getting enough coverage on the policy. Um, this goes with all sorts of things when it comes to home, flood insurance, whatever, but your lender or bank is going to require you to purchase a certain amount of coverage. That doesn't mean that that's what you should get for coverage. They're yeah. just requiring you to get what's going to protect their investment at a bare minimum. You can get more coverage and you should inquire about it. Just because the bank's requiring a certain amount doesn't mean that that's necessarily what's best for you. Sure. And then lastly, um, the big mistake I see a lot of folks make is not calling an independent agency. Uh, big companies out there, I, I find that, you know, if they're going through their car insurance company or, you know, one of those other 1-800 numbers out there, uh, 
they don't really understand flood insurance as well as independent agents and brokers do. It's something that we specialize in. And um, honestly, it's, it's one of the reasons why we have such great relationships with realtors like yourself, because we are a resource for it. And by having that knowledge of flood insurance, we are able to create good relationships with realtors and lenders that we work with because they know that we're going to be able to pick up the phone and give them a quick answer on something they're not sure about with flood insurance. These big companies out there really don't understand a lot of the intricacies when it comes to that. It can delay the process. Your rates can be higher. They just don't have necessarily all the information at their fingertips that a local independent agency would. So I highly recommend using an independent agency when it comes to flood insurance. And uh, so, yeah, those are the five mistakes to avoid when it comes to flood insurance and buying homes. If you want to learn more, give us a call or hop on the web and uh, look us up, LaPointe Insurance. You will find us. Yeah, just Google LaPointe Insurance. You're going to see hundreds of videos that that John has made. Does a fantastic job. Very informative, and I love it. And and one of the things I like about, about you guys at LaPointe Insurance, John, is that you do so many, you specialize in home insurance locally here in Rhode Island, Massachusetts. And, you know, there's often times where my clients have purchased in neighborhoods that you just wrote policies for, you know, the neighborhoods specifically, you don't get that from the big national brands. I mean, this is a family run business, but you guys do such great work. Appreciate you very much. Love the content. Awesome stuff. Check out LaPointe Insurance. Man. Yeah, check out LaPointe Insurance. Um, and uh, any questions at all, you can go ahead and go there or you can uh, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Desperado team. Send us a message there. We're going to be right back in a couple minutes. We got a great rest of the show coming up on News Radio 920, 1047 FM. And this is the Desperado Team Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. Hey, thanks for being here with us. I'm Emilio Despirito, and uh, hopefully you heard the rest of the show. But if you didn't, it's easy to catch on Facebook.com backslash Despirito Team. We had some great guests on John LaPointe with LaPointe Insurance, Melissa Delano with Delano Law. So uh, guys, I got to tell you, there are so many times where I have people list investment properties with tenants inside the properties. And I would say most of the time, the tenants are fantastic. We have no problems. We totally understand how to work with tenants. But of course, there's always the situation that comes up uh, and it's, it's tenants sabotaging home sales, right? You won't believe how much money people lose on their properties when a tenant sabotages a home sale. I've got five ways that tenants do this. I'm going to go over them with you. And you may say, you may be scratching your head like, oh my God, I was thinking about selling my investment property. What do I do, right? Well, first and foremost, I want to tell you, it's most important to know that this is their home. This is the tenant's home, right? And as somebody who grew up living in rentals, I, I, I own houses now, I own homes now, but as somebody that grew up living in, in rentals and whatnot, I understand where tenants are coming from. And, you know, and, and there's, there's right ways of doing things and wrong ways of doing things as the owner and as the tenant. So I hope this, uh, this program here is going to shed some really good light on the right way of doing things as the landlord. And hopefully some tenants are listening too that say, hey, you know what? If my landlord approached me like that, 
I would be way more amicable. And uh, of course, you know, it's it's important. So let's let's jump into that. So here's the deal. When you're going to list a property for sale that people live in, again, it's their home, okay? They're uncertain of what's going to happen to them. They're thinking a million things. Is the new person that's going to buy it, are they going to kick me out? Are they going to raise my rent? Am I going to be able to afford to do this, that, and everything else, okay? Uncertainty drives fear. Uncertainty drives fear. And it can cause people to go out of control. I swear, I see it all of the time. So some tenants, again, might barely be making it. And they've got all these questions on their mind. So there's ways to approach this. Now, last week I spoke about, you know, making sure to be up, up front with your tenants and tell them you're putting the house on the market with the realtor. The realtor's going to be calling them, right? Check out those videos in facebook.com backslash Dispirito team. You're going you're gonna to see that. And you can also go to rhodeislandnewstoday.com and check out my article, um, you know, about, about how to approach tenants when selling a property. So now here's the deal. Number one, they deny access, okay? So most leases are gonna state that the tenant must allow access to a representative of the owner, of the property owner, within 24 to 48 hours of notice. So basically, again, most leases will say, hey, look, we can go in, we can you know, call the tenant, text the tenant, email the tenant, knock on the door, whatever it is, however we notify the tenant, um, and say, look, in 24 or 48 hours, whatever the lease says, we need to access the property. Now, here's an example of times that a representative of the landlord would have to uh, get access to the property. And here are also a list of times where, uh, <laughs> where tenants will sabotage the sale and not let the representative of the owner in. The initial walkthrough with the seller. Okay, so normally that's not an issue. Normally we can get in most apartments when the, the landlord is walking us through. Okay, now the photos and the video. I can't tell you how many times because we send the pros out. We send a professional video videographer out there and, you know, the door is locked. Uh, no one's there. No one's answering. Um, they have notice. You knock on the door. You go to walk in and they say, get out. It happens sometimes. We're not going to bar. We're not just going to keep going into somebody's house if they say get out. Um, so yes, yeah, so they deny access there and make it tough. Pre-list inspections. We send an inspector in to, to do some pre-list home inspections. Not allowed in the property. Showings. That's the worst. Okay, because when you have buyers looking at you know uh, a two three unit property and they can't get into the units. I mean, they don't know what they're buying, so it creates uncertainty in that buyer, and they may skip along to another property, and that in itself could be worth tons of money to you, because if your tenants are not allowing showings and your property sits and sits and sits, and it sits longer than average damn market, now consumers online are saying, hey, what's wrong with this property? And it's just going to cause you, the landlord, to lose money. So Basically, the moral of the story, make sure you have a lease in place with your people, okay? If they go to month to month after, at least you have that lease that you originally did, even if they're at a tenant at will, where you can say, hey, look, this is what we agreed upon. Let's move forward with this, okay? Number two, the tenants linger around the showings and lambast sellers and property. I can't tell you how many times we hear this from tenants. 
Oh, the landlord never maintains the property. She is selling because she needs to, because it needs too much work. There's a tremendous number of things wrong. Let me show you. It's a nightmare when tenants do this. They take people through the property and they just do that. And I got to tell you, tenants, that does not help your situation out because the buyer most of the time is savvy and they're looking past those very minor details you're showing them and they're thinking how they're gonna get rid of you as a tenant. They're thinking about how costly your eviction might be because right off the rip, you're being tough to deal with. So my suggestion would be don't take that negative approach. It doesn't work, okay? It really doesn't work and it hurts everybody involved. I would take the approach as, hey, look, it'd be great to have a new landlord. My name is so-and-so. Anything I do to help you, great. Maybe they will keep you in that apartment. That is everyone's hope, okay? Second thing here, uh, third thing, I'm sorry, tenants stop paying rent. Okay, so when tenants are fearful and uncertain, okay, and, and, and maybe, again, maybe they weren't told that you're selling. Maybe they just wake up one morning and they have someone knocking on the door. Hey, let me see, show this property. They, when, when they're afraid of what's going to happen, they stop paying rent. They think they're going to have to save money. Some of these people are check to check. They have to save money and move out because they are uncertain. So they will stop paying rent sometimes. And times like this during COVID, you know, there's, there's, there's things in place where you can't evict your tenants during that time period. I believe that ends in December, but still think about that. Who knows? That could reenact again. Number four, they leave the place a mess. I mean, let me tell you something. If tenants leave a place a mess, holes in the wall, trash everywhere, you know, just a total mess, that could cost you thousands and thousands of dollars. It could cost you between five and 20,000 on average from what we see. And I know that's kind of a big swing, but we see it all and per unit. And I want you to think about that cost. So what can you do to stay on top of your tenants so that they're not doing that, okay? And number five, the tenant won't move out. So here's the problem with that. If you're selling a one to four unit property, multifamily, there are a massive chunk of buyers right now who have been priced out of single family homes who are now moving towards multifamily homes for their first home because they can use the, their rental income to pay for the for that house and live virtually almost free if not free in some cases however they need to move into a unit so if you have a tenant that is unwilling to move out of that unit what happens is simple the buyer may not be able to extend the current rate that they have on the mortgage without buying the rate down and then they ask you the seller to pay for it because it's not their fault that they're being extended or Maybe the buyer loses the opportunity to purchase or a million other things could happen in the meantime. Maybe the buyer loses their job. Who knows? But you can offer those hard to get along with tenants a bonus to get out. You can offer them one month or two months or whatever it is you need to do and say, get out. Because in the grand scheme of things, that month or two of rent is gonna help them get into their next unit and is gonna avoid all of those issues and it's gonna go ahead and procure that sale for you. So again, no situation is the same. It's important to line up with people that deal with multifamilies all of the time. I'm lucky. I've got Nexus Property Management on speed dial. 
any type of situation with tenants, I, my team and I will literally pick up the phone and call them and get answers that we need. We've got eviction attorneys in place, but more importantly, we know how to deal with people and we know how to deal with tenants. And again, most of them are wonderful and the ones that aren't, many cases are just confused. They need to be spoken with. They need to understand that it is our goal to either keep them there in that house and make sure that they're happy so the next landlord can come in and everyone can be happy and or help them find a new place to go. So make sure you choose wisely when you're looking to sell your investment properties, deal with somebody that deals with them. The market right now for multifamilies is fantastic. There's not enough homes on the market right now that should be, and we are pulling in buyers from Massachusetts, um, Connecticut, all over. I literally just sold the most expensive multifamily ever in Pawtucket uh, for my good friend, Greg Rice at Nexus Property Management over $500,000 for this multifamily property. Uh, if you have any questions or if you have a multifamily property you would like to sell, give me a call. I'd be happy to talk you through it, 401-359-2338. You can also text me, 401-359-2338. We're gonna be right back after these quick messages. We've got the top five events happening here in Rhode Island coming up next. Stay tuned right here on the Despirito Team Real Estate Show, News Radio 920-1047 FM. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. So you can see Alrighty, on the line with us, Jennifer Jaber with riblogger.com with the top five events happening here in Rhode Island. You can also check it out on our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Desperado team, or of course on riblogger.com. Thanks for being here with us, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Always. What's happening? Well, we have some great uh, mid-November live music events coming up Saturday, November 14th uh, through the doors. So if you're a Doors fan, um, their Adores tribute. They'll be performing at the Stadium Theater on November 14th. Um, it's a complete look and feel of an actual Adores concert. So even if you weren't or have never been a Adores fan, it's just you know a great show and a great cause to support. Um, all guidelines will be followed and space is limited. So um, make sure you get your tickets in advance. And the show will take place um, in the Grand Hall. And I think like there's so much stuff going on in the Stadium Theater. We just want to keep these venues going. So um, these are great great things to attend and just to show your support my favorite one in the whole state i love the staff and the people down there at uh, the stadium theater just fantastic so wonderful for our community thanks thanks for mentioning that yeah fabulous place and i think like i said even if you're not a doors fan you can expect like a great time good show so um definitely put that on your agenda um, if you're a reggae fan sundays november uh, the first one the next one is november 15th but you can enjoy um, reggae Sundays um, every Sunday at the Shannon View Inn from 3 to 7 with a live DJ and Job Patty catering to offer Jamaican cuisine. There'll be delicious drinks, there'll be red stripe specials, and then there's indoor and outdoor seating, and they have new fire pits available too. So if you're more comfortable outdoors, they're making that a more comfortable situation. Nice. Um, we're also looking at Veterans Day this week, so there's two separate 
things to talk about, but Saturday, November 14th, the 2020 Water Fire Salute, which they always do their salute to veterans, um, is going to be a video premiere this year on their Facebook, um, on the Providence Water Fire Facebook page or their YouTube station from eight to nine. Um, it's partnered with several organizations just to empower, support veterans, and to end the tragedy of suicide. The video salutes the veterans in active duty uh, military personnel, personnel to raise awareness of the ongoing mental health crisis among those who serve. So it's really, um, I think, important that we all support that as well. Yes. Wednesday, November 11th is the second annual open house hosted by Operation Made. Um, it's a Meet the Maker event, and it'll be from 10 to 5 uh, at 1060 Tollgate Road in Warwick. There'll be music, food, and shopping, raffles, and much more. And the event features unique products made from uh, military families. So, and so the vendors will be on site and you'll get to meet and greet them and, and just, again, another way to support those families. And Sunday, November 15th from 10 to 1, for the, um, you can join the Truston Pond Bird Walk. If you've never been to Truston Pond, it's in the tunic. It's like an easy trail hike. It's one of my favorite ones. The, the trails are nice and wide. You don't really have to worry so much about like ticks and stuff like that. Um, a guide will lead you through the beautiful Truston Pond Refuge. Um, you'll learn to identify the feathered creatures that call Rhode Island home, and then you'll just be able to enjoy the beautiful trails, and there's beautiful views of the beaches once you get back on the trails. So it's always been my go-to for, like, so, so long. So if you haven't been there, it's a great way just to get a tour around it and also learn a little bit about the wildlife. Awesome. Was that five? Okay. <laughs> Wow, that went by so fast. Um, awesome stuff. And of course, you have way more than just that on rblogger.com. And uh, people can submit their events as well. Check it out and uh, also uh, post their, their businesses in your directory, which has been fantastic. So check out rblogger.com. Jennifer, thanks for being here with us. Thank you. Have a great week. Always. You too. Thank you. Awesome. Great show today. I'd like to thank Jennifer Jaber with RIO.com, Melissa Delano with Delano Law, John LaPointe with LaPointe Insurance, and all of our guests and, uh, and all of our, our sponsors, in addition to our um, listeners. Thank you very much for keeping our show alive and well. You guys are fantastic. Anything I can do to help you out, give me a call, 401 359 2338. Again, 3592338. And uh, we're always here for you. Thank you so much. God bless you and have a fantastic day. Take care.